today on the Ward Preacher Podcast. Matchmaking for Isaac, Rebecca, and Jacob and Esau. I'm Brett Jensen, and this is the Ward Preacher Podcast. Our Come Follow Me uh, curriculum for this coming week will bring us to Genesis 24 through 27. Uh, Let's go ahead and get started with the situation. Abraham is getting old, and uh, and Isaac is, uh, you know, getting old enough that he could be married. Uh, And so needing to kind of make sure that this covenant was going to be passed on, that Abraham would, in fact, be the father of children as numerous as the stars or the sands of the seas, kind of required something. It required Isaac to get married. And Abraham was very particular about how this was going to happen. Let's go to some reading. First four verses in Genesis 24. And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But thou shalt go unto my country, and unto my kindred, and take a wife unto my son Isaac. Okay, so the first question that may come up is, what's wrong with the Canaanite women? You know, this uh, seems a little uh, not inclusive. He's not embracing diversity. Um, it needs to be somebody from his own kindred. Why is that? Well, um, this same principle is not just for Isaac. It's later going to prove a problem as we talk about Esau, who married local women against the counsel of his parents. That brought grief to both, uh, both of his parents. This was not just a, a preference for Abraham, this was an important principle that was guiding this decision. So part of the reason behind this is that marriage really is designed to change a man. Covenants affect a good man for better or worse. And you can think of a good man like Solomon, whose pious devotion Uh, caused him to dedicate so much into building the temple. But as he married more and more people for political purposes and got involved in the politics of the world, he decided that, uh, you know, to make these wives happy, he would bow down and worship their gods uh, in his older age. Marriage affected him negatively. The cultural traditions of those marriages negatively impacted uh, Solomon. Another easy example is King Ahab of the northern kingdom 
imported the worship of Baal, the god of his Phoenician wife, Jezebel. And as we know from the stories with Elijah, this was a bad thing. He was very influenced. Even when, even when Elijah kind of persuaded him to understand, oh yeah, you probably need to be serving the Lord, he still went back and bought into whatever his wife wanted him to do. Um, and you can think of this going the other way, where you have kind of a bad person. Um, one of the heirs of the men of Shechem was willing to totally change his life, convert to the faith of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob after defiling Dinah. Um, he had been awful, but the idea of covenanting to marry Dinah kind of softened him, it changed him in certain ways. Uh, and you see this sort of idea reflected in all sorts of, of uh, drama and fiction from, you know, from Spider-Man who needs to deal with Mary Jane or, you know, all the way back to the Epic of Gilgamesh where uh, the wild man is tamed by his relationship to a woman. So this is an important theme. Marriage has a big impact. And Abraham needed someone who was not going to inject false religions or invalid traditions into the family of his son. He needed to preserve the legacy of faith that he had worked so patiently to build. And this was important because he had seen firsthand how the gospel could slip away. His own father slipped into idolatry. Uh, if you're not very careful, the effects of apostasy will seep in and the things that are important will be supplanted by things that seem important. After patiently waiting his whole life for the realization of his covenant with God, he was determined to protect it from blending in to cultural trends of local populations or worldly traditions. Okay, so a little more detail on what he says to his servant. Uh, next few verses, five through nine. And the servant said unto him, Peradventure the woman will not be willing to follow me into this land. Must I needs bring thy son again unto the land from whence thou camest? And Abraham said unto him, Beware that thou bring not my son thither again. The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house, and from the land of my kindred, and which spake unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land, he shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. And if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath. Only bring not my son thither again. And the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham his master and swear to him concerning that matter. So this is also kind of, it reveals additional detail. It's not just Canaanite women that uh, 
he needed to be wary of. He didn't want Isaac to leave the land of the covenant either. This isn't like, a, oh, well, as long as you are of someone with the appropriate genetic stock, then you can go wherever you want. The, the key was tying the family to the elements of this covenant. Um, priesthood was something that he could help with. Uh, the the posterity he needed a wife for, um, and that was part of this. Uh, but the property, that was another thing he could say, no, it needs to be here. So he's controlling as much as he can and trying to ensure that all of the elements of the Abrahamic covenant are being passed on and appropriately honored. It shows how important to Abraham this covenant was. All right. So the servant of Abraham asks God for help, pleading that he would find a woman who would show kindness not only to him, but also to his animals. He asks for a specific sign that he was going to sit by the well and the women who were coming to draw water for their homes and families. He would ask them for some, some water and they would offer. He said, he prayed to the Lord and said, let her who offers not only to give me to drink, but also to my camels, let her be the one that thou hast chosen. So he's pleading with the Lord, who is good to Abraham, to help him to serve in this request. Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, who was in Abraham's family, uh, the, the Bethuel being a child of Nahor, Abraham's brother, um, so Rebecca comes to this well. She fulfills the requirement. He asks for water. She offers it not only to him, but to his camels. And he immediately presents her with gold and asks to lodge with her family. After getting settled, the servant tells his story, explaining that Abraham, who was their relative, he'd become wealthy. He lived in the land of Canaan and that he was seeking a wife for his son Isaac. He explained how he pled with the Lord for a specific sign, and how Rebekah had fulfilled it precisely. Well, Rebekah's family is convinced that the circumstances that uh, they observed came from God, and that they should not get in the way. And they agreed that Rebekah should go with him. He immediately presents them with gold and silver and raiment um, as, as kind of a, a, a way to honor them. So the next day, the servant is eager to fulfill his assignment. He's found the girl. He's ready to bring her back. Rebecca's family's like, hey, you know, why don't you let her stay for a few days? Not less than 10. We want to kind of say goodbye first. And the servant, who believes he has been guided by the Lord, um, says that they should not stand in the way of something that God wills. They said, well, let's see what Rebecca has to say. And Rebecca agrees to go with him immediately. So if we look at a couple of verses, uh, 59 and 60, they offer her this well wish, this blessing as she departs. Uh, it reads as follows. 
And they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. And they blessed Rebekah, and said unto her, Thou art our sister, be thou the mother of thousands of millions, and let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. Kind of a kind of an amazing uh, wish. Um, she ran into some problems, which we'll talk about in a moment. But first, uh, she comes in. Uh, she finds that she sees somebody out in the field. Uh, she asks Abraham's servant, who's that? And he says, that's my master. That's the one. She veils herself. They, they are careful to honor the law of chastity. Uh, they are married and... Uh, and Isaac is comforted after the loss of his mother. Um, but, as was the case with his mother, Rebekah is unable to have children. Uh, that's got to be devastating for, for Isaac. Um, he pleads with the Lord, and the Lord, uh, through miraculous means, helps her to conceive twins. Now, the twins inside of her, these living babies, uh, are struggling within her. She's having discomfort in this pregnancy, and she's concerned. She goes to the Lord, a sign that she also values her faith, and as a sign that the Lord trusts her as well, she receives this revelation recorded in verse 23 of Genesis 25. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels, and the one people shall be stronger than the other, and the elder shall serve the younger. So before they're even born, she has this inkling about the destiny of these children inside of her. Uh, that's really significant. Uh, and of course, Rebecca would take this counsel from the Lord to heart in how she helped to raise them in what she would do later. So the twins are born, the older of the two, a red son covered in hair, they said, uh, was named Esau. The younger one grabs onto his heel as he comes out, uh, and they name him Jacob. Esau becomes a cunning hunter. Jacob is described as a plain man dwelling in tents. Um, Isaac loves Esau. This is a manly man who goes and does manly things. He kills animals and makes delicious meat from them. They're just phenomenal venison. This is one of Isaac's favorite things. But Esau is not as interested in the covenant uh, that was Isaac's birthright. This came from Abraham. This is what they were doing all of this for, to inherit this birthright. Esau comes in from the field, and he's tired, and he's hungry. And Jacob has created this mess of pottage, a pottage of lentils. And uh, Esau wants some. Jacob says, 
uh, tells him to sell to him his birthright in exchange for the meal. And Esau answers, I am at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright do to me? Jacob asks Esau to swear to him, and Esau does. Now, it's important to note, this does not mean that divine rights and priesthood can be sold. You can't make a deal to, to get the priesthood like that. But it shows that Esau did not value it. The observation in Genesis that he despised his birthright. It was unimportant to him. Now, as time passes, Isaac prospers in the land near the Philistines. And though there's some conflicts, uh, they make peace. Uh, he's, he's on good terms with the people around him. Esau is on very good terms with the people around them. He marries a pair of Hittite women. And this brings grief, not only to Isaac, but also Rebekah. And it's because of the same thing that they had in their marriage. They knew the importance of preserving faith and the covenant. This was vital in their relationship and for their family. Rebecca particularly had received revelation to understand the role that Jacob would play. Well, time continues to pass. Isaac grows old. He becomes blind and he's preparing to give his last blessings to his sons, thinking that he will bestow the birthright blessing on his oldest son, Esau. Rebekah conspires with Jacob while Esau is away to impersonate, for Jacob to impersonate Esau and to receive this blessing in his place. And uh, Jacob responds with this gem in the scriptures. It's so good. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. <laughs> Definitely quotable um, for reasons other than the literal meaning. Um, but uh, also entertaining to complete the illusion to fool Isaac. Rebekah places goat skin on the back of Jacob's hands and on his neck. And Jacob presents his father this meat that his mother has helped to prepare, claiming to be Esau. And when Isaac checks, oh yeah, you are kind of a hairy guy. Okay, it must be okay. Um, so after, just after Jacob leaves, Esau comes in to receive his blessing. And Isaac realizes what has happened. And he tells Esau that his younger brother has taken his blessing. And Esau is upset. He, he at the end of his life, wanted to honor his father. He, he cared about him. Yeah, he had softened with time. Um, and uh, he, he asked for a blessing in, in addition to what he had given Isaac. But or what he had given, what Isaac had given Jacob. But Isaac, even though he could have corrected his mistake if he thought that it was the will of God, he must have known that God intended Jacob to have the birthright. That his wife had, in fact, helped him through her revelation to do what they had set out to do, 
when they first got married, preserve the covenant. This is important. A husband and wife should seek to help one another to do what the Lord wills. And there are likely times in any marriage where one will be stronger than the other. We are obligated to help one another, to honor our marital covenants, and to honor our faith and tradition. Esau, of course, is infuriated, and he's determined that after his father passes, he's going to kill Jacob. Knowing his intentions, Rebekah sends Jacob away to stay with her brother Laban in the land from which she comes, Haran, or later as it's called, Padan Aram. Um, now, we'll talk more about that in our next week's podcast, but the end lesson that I'd like to focus on, Jacob and Rebekah didn't really trick Isaac. Isaac knew what was right in the end. Rebekah was a good woman who was sought and adhered to uh, by revelation and who sought and adhered to revelation herself, willing to forsake her own worldly ties to obtain the blessings of God. The Abrahamic covenant was renewed, and it's important because it can be renewed for each generation as they seek the Lord themselves. We appreciate all the support for the Word Preacher podcast. Next week, we will look at Genesis 28 through 33, talking about Jacob and renewing his covenant, uh, his birthright. Of course, there's a ton of stuff we did not talk about in this week's reading. Please study that individually and with your family. And of course, as always, fight on.